This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to I think I'm sure you could still get them on yeah. the secondary market if you wanted. I'm sure it'd be expensive, but probably but, could. Yeah, yeah I, when I heard it was like over a hundred dollars, like a eh. hundred didn't sound that bad to me for like an intimate Chris Stapleton concert. Um, I mean, it's it's worth it, right? That's yeah. um, it's definitely like he's someone you pay a hundred dollars, yeah, plus for, for sure. Yeah. But I just didn't want yeah. to pay the money. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, you know. It's not worth it because uh, we talked about poverty last time, and Gee, uh, boy. yeah. So <clears throat> I almost went to the Orion last weekend, though. Oh no way to Jake Owen. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna go to Jake Owen, and then got sick, and turned out to be you know what. That's right. My parents went. They were at Jake Owen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, they had were like the third row. They had VIP passes. Let's start the podcast so we can just banter into this thing sounds good all right that was actually a really that was actually a really good way to get going i thought yeah uh, but like we hadn't officially counted down i guess we could uh, i guess we could just yeah. just start like this do we even need a countdown <laughs> no i don't think so i mean that that's the way it usually goes we on, could try just yeah, this on, this could be our start that's the way it usually goes on matt frad show they're talking and then yeah. just like break right. this whatever. is what you always dream this is what you've been trying to get me to do <laughs> this is yeah but yeah, anyway, it's good to be here. I've really looked forward to this podcast. I, I was thinking about this when I was driving to my house tonight um, to meet you here. And I don't know the last time I was this excited for podcast. I don't know why. I don't know if it's, you know, the fact that I had COVID and I'm just excited to talk to you. It's ready to roll. I was yeah. stuck at home for a while. Yeah. Um, or just that... It's a topic. I don't know. It's a good topic, but it's not a topic. I think I just I'm just grateful to be um, still at it two years later doing these podcasts. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I'm particularly excited about the topic today, even though I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Um, our topic is chastity, by the way, and uh, I think. Oh, I thought we were talking about my COVID experience. Oh, we could certainly talk about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like we could tie it in somehow. I'll but anyway. Tie it in. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I was realizing how, how little I have thought about the virtue of chastity just because it's one of those things where I go, oh, yeah, I know what chastity is. And then when someone asked me to define it, yeah, I'm simply not sure. So uh, this would be Tough a good one, one, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Were we going to jump into it? Sure. Why not? Why not? All right. Um, so chastity, here we go. Chastity is one of the three evangelical councils we talked about the first one which is poverty and uh yeah cool poverty now on to chastity that's how it goes that's what's up i bet our listeners can guess what our next podcast is going to be on if our listeners are astute (laughs) they could probably figure it out that's right i'm thinking so a quick search in the googles or simply listening to our conversations would would tip it off i believe but that's right, most likely. Um, what is chastity? Oh my, um, yeah. So I think we should start off um, our definition, like we always start off our definition of things, and that's with our friend Miriam. Um, so maybe we'll turn to Miriam and see what uh, Mrs. Webster. Is it Miss Webster? We we don't know. Okay, Miss Web- Webster. We won't have that conversation no. again. Um, 
Yeah, so here it is. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, do uh, Merriam-Webster's definition, and then maybe we'll, we'll go to the catechism, um, which we'll turn to in greater detail later on. But here's Miriam on chastity. The quality or state of being chaste. There's more. Such as abstention from unlawful sexual intercourse, abstention from all sexual intercourse, purity in conduct and intention, restraint and simplicity in design or expression. And there's also a second definition, which is personal integrity. Very it, interesting. That is interesting. That's a very interesting definition. I will say that um, the first part doesn't tell you much. The quality or state of being chaste. There it Thanks, is. Miriam. <laughs> Thank right, you, Miriam. Great. <laughs> uh, define a word with a word, why don't we? That's right. Um, but I also notice, and this is actually very much what I would expect from the dictionary, um, being, you know, representative, I think the, the common cultural consensus, and that is, um, this word abstention right, is used multiple times, abstain from abstaining from unlawful sexual intercourse, abstaining from all sexual in, intercourse, purity in conduct and intention, restraint and, restraint and simplicity in design or expression, right? Um, I think what I would expect from this is the world's definition, which is very much about it's an emphasis, or I think the world, but also I think sometimes in the church, we see it this way too. Chastity is about not doing things that you're not supposed to, right? Yeah. Restraining yourself, abstaining from sex in many or all circumstances. And uh, I think I think you see that in, in this definition from Webster. Great point. It's funny, I hadn't planned on bringing this up, but I was just reading in my prayer time today um, a quote from John Paul II where he says, um, something to the effect of, if we, if our religion stays with these quote unquote musts or these like obligations, um, then we haven't experienced the meaning of our existence. Um, hmm. Beautiful, wow. beautiful, beautiful. That's, that's uh, from John Paul II. From John Paul II. Yeah. He knows a thing or two. He does about chastity. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but that's what he says: is if we if if our religion stays in the form of I must blank or i'm obligated to blank then we haven't grasped the meaning of our existence and i think no. that really imply applies here doesn't it uh yeah um this our culture frames it as abstaining from something mm -hmm. refraining from doing something which is honestly a prison yeah so what about this second definition the alternate definition personal integrity yeah you know um the catechism goes this route too which is very interesting. interesting. Uh, yeah, it goes the route of personal integrity. And uh, I think kind of what's being discussed there is, you know, just this idea of, um, well, I'm not sure if this is what Miriam is talking about, but the way that I, I think it's, it's it's framed in the catechism and, and the way that I think it should be interpreted is this integration of the human being, of the whole person, of uh, the spiritual aspect and the physical aspect. So just a healthy integration of those two things. Um yeah, and I think we'll unpack what exactly that means a little bit later. Yeah, is that correct? So. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so let's look at Mother Church, right? Mother World tells us one thing. Mother Church tells us another. Ah, uh, yes. So what does the catechism say about chastity? Yeah, well, we're going to get right into integration integration again because um, uh, catechism has something to say about that. Here's the definition of chastity from the catechism. Chastity means... The successful integration of sexuality within the person, and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. Mm. 
um, integration of sexuality within the person, um, unity in his bodily and spiritual being. Some key phrases there. Um, very interesting. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot to unpack in that phrase. I think it's one of those that it's easy to read that without unpacking it and not really draw a lot out of it. Um, but I think this is one of the areas where I like what the catechism does, and I've come to like it more and more. You know, I know when we talked about lying, and we had like, or maybe it was lying or modesty. There's a lot of these topics when we've talked about issues of morality, it gives like multiple definitions. And mm -hmm. just like, it's just like this reflection on that goes deeper and deeper on that value or that virtue. And it does that with chastity. So we have that, what you just read. And then, you know, the next paragraph, it says, the chaste person maintains the integrity of the powers of life and love placed in him. The next one says, chastity includes an apprenticeship and self-mastery, which is training in human freedom. Then it says, the virtue of chastity comes over the cardinal of virtue of temperance. So it just goes on to give you more and more and more about the virtue of chastity as you keep reading, which is why... You know, I think you and I both read this big section on chastity in preparation for this. And I mean, you could just do a whole a whole book study on this section on chastity. There's so much there. So much there. Yeah. That's a were you going to read something from that? No. Okay. That's a, a really good point and it, it is funny and really amazing how the church treats these issues, these these truths like modesty and uh, um and chastity with this reverence it is a reverence when they yeah. they don't they choose mm -hmm. not to use oversimplify five word one sentence. definition yeah. right yeah mm -hmm. I love the I love the Bruce Lee quote quote I don't know if I've shared this with you before but I love the Bruce Lee quote of true refinement seeks simplicity I think you have I love that, that quote I do I love it but if something can't be simplified um, after a certain point mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. I think it's appropriate to. Uh, to be satisfied yeah. with that definition, you know, uh, yeah, so, as simple as possible while maintaining its reference. Yeah, yeah. Some things require nuance and distinction, and I think it's right. certainly one of them. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so maybe um, the, the chastity, the definition from the Catechism again, the sec successful integration of sexuality. Um, I think it's important to kind of understand what sexuality is, and what do you know? The Catechism is wise enough to define it a few paragraphs before, so. Um, Nick, what's sexuality? Could you uh, tell me? The, uh, I'm going to have to read out of the catechism. I yeah, that's what I wanted you to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely going to have to go to it. Uh, anyway, so it says, again, a little bit more reference. It's not a one-sentence definition. Sexuality affects all aspects of the human person and the unity of his body and soul. It especially con concerns affectivity, the capacity to love and to procreate, and in a more general way, the aptitude for forming bonds of communion with others. So sexuality is tied to, according to the catechism, um, communion with others in a general sense, mm. um, which is beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and uh, capacity to love is another word, uh, another phrase that yeah. I really appreciate out of, yeah. out of that definition. Yeah. Can I jump off that into uh, John Paul II? Sure. So... What, what you're thinking of, I think that's a good bridge into talking about, you know, the project of John Paul II. So John Paul II, he's, you know, he becomes more and more of a hero of mine every, every year of my life. And I've recently been working through um, the Theology of the Body lectures. And I actually am 
currently on the intro, I've read like 90% of the 130 page introduction in the, in the version that I have. The intro is by Michael Waldstein, who apparently he was a professor at Ave when That's you right. were there. Yeah, I met him um, once. You met him once. You're good buddies. <laughs> um, just like me and JP too. Yeah, we boys uh, now. <laughs> I touched his relic. So there it is. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I've been working through that and there's a lot to unpack there. I won't go into all of that, but one of the things that just struck me is how much in reading this introduction and reading about this project of John Paul II, which through love and responsibility and through the theology of the body sermons, it was a great bulk of like his his work as Pope and even before he was Pope, but is, is this project was trying to understand human sexuality, right? And keep in mind, again, this is a celibate man, right? Who would be completely saying things like this, you know, sexuality is fundamental to who we are. Right, and he had this. I think he was just mystified by the gift of sexuality and mm-hmm. what it meant about us and what it meant about God. Mm-hmm. And what he attempted to do is basically propose this this gift of the church's understanding of sexuality to the world anew. I think, um, and to put it in terms that the world can understand. So he actually searched for kind of a you know one of the things he talks about in this introduction is. It, he searched for like a philosophical framework. Like he was looking for a philosopher in whom he could ground the church's teaching mm-hmm. on sexuality. And it didn't work with this guy named Max Scheller. And then he found Immanuel Kant. And he felt like it, it mostly worked. He had to, you know, make some distinctions and caveats, but um, that it worked. And so then what he tries to do is just like present the entirety of the church's teachings in this deep intellectual way, but in this way that engages beauty. And I think one of the things that, you know, I found is so many people are struck by his teachings on an emotional level. I don't know what your experience is with, you know, encountering theology of the body, but for me, you know, when I was introduced to theology of the body, it wasn't the text of John Paul II originally. It was through Christopher West, um, who I highly recommend. Um, Mm -hmm. Listening to, reading, anything you can get your hands on from him. Um, But it's just a profound encounter of like, I didn't know that this was what the church taught. Like, I didn't know that our sexuality was so good. And that that was, I think, a a real project of John Paul II, where he made the biggest distinction with Kant. Like, because he actually agrees with like, he borrows Kant's general principles of sexual ethics in the personalistic norm. The problem is Kant saw sex is like a necessary evil, hmm. like a necessary evil. And so the rules that Kant had around sex, like the moral like guide, guiding moral background for, for sexuality for Kant was, it was like the, about restraint. Because for Kant, um, uh, never mind, I won't get too much into the philosophy. I'll just, I'll just say that, right? So John Paul II saw human sexuality as good. Right? And so for John Paul II, it was about presenting this to the world as a good thing, but because it's a good thing, right, we got to get it right. Yeah. And I've just been, I've been struck and, and just been going deeper and deeper ever since I encountered it. Yeah, theology of the body has, has um, influenced so many people, I think. It's been a, a gift to the world. Um, and I'll say maybe a couple things. I, I think yeah. uh, with chastity, I think it's so important and so enlightening for me reading out of the catechism is that this is chastity is about a healthy integration of how we commune with other human beings 
Yes, Um, that's right. That's right. And because sex is really the highest form in which we commune with another human being, it rises to the forefront of the conversation about chastity. Um, Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's, it's the, the, the highest sense in which we commune with each other um, uh, on earth. That's well Um, said. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think too, but it's important to frame it in light of chastity is also about how men interact with one another yeah. properly in an integrated sense and how women interact with each other in an integrated sense. Yeah. It's about how we commune with each other. Um, I yeah. guess it's so, uh, so important to recognize. I mean, the, the phrase that always strikes me just jumping off of that in the catechism is, you know, you saw, I put it on the document earlier, but um, it says chastity. This is from the catechism about chastity. It says chastity tolerates neither a double life or duplicity in speech. Hmm. Um, and it's this kind of mysterious statement because it's not quite clear exactly what that's talking about. Um, but I think it has to do with what you're saying, right? Chastity, yes, sexuality is the deepest expression of human relationship, of human intimacy. Or yeah, yeah, the deepest is that yeah, fair? I think yeah, so. probably the deepest. Yeah. Um, but it's only one expression, right? Uh, most of our human relationships don't involve the sexual embrace, that's right? Right. And so chastity involves loving others and being free to love others hmm. um, in the according way that, to that relationship. Right, in the way that we're being called. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, in the way that we're being called. So it tolerates neither double life or duplicity in speech. I think this has to do with like dating in particular, right? Like it means you're upfront with your intentions in dating. Um, you know, you're straightforward, not living a double life, right? Um, but I think this means so much more than that too. I think it's intentionally just this mysterious broad statement because I think it chassis does have to do with every single one of our relationships. Amen. It's not just about sex. Amen. It's about love yeah. and being free to love. Yeah. Because if it were just about sex, then chastity wouldn't relate to priests, you know? That's right. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a really broad thing. But what what else were you gonna you were gonna jump off another thing as well? No, that's okay. That's great. Okay. I I, uh, I think I am I have a few different comments about religious life in that regard. But I think I will save that until later on. Yes. Okay. Can I actually unpack one other thing that I think actually is it's, sure. it's from the philo- philosophy side, but I think it's actually gonna be helpful. So. Um, I was talking to my brother on the phone about this last night. I was kind of telling him about what I was reading and, and the introduction to the theology of the body. And so it comes down to, so I, I mentioned Immanuel Kant before. There's this big difference between the morality of Kant and Aquinas. And this is it right here. Kant saw like duty as the primary thing in morality. And so for Kant... The best moral action was one that you did even though you didn't want to, right? That's like the height of morality for Kant. For Aquinas, it's actually different. For Aquinas, this is kind of the, the, the classical sense of For Aquinas, to be like perfect in morality, to be perfected in virtue, is actually to desire to do what's good, okay? So Kant, you do something that's right, but it's just really hard and you don't want to do it. That's the height of perfection, right? For Thomas Aquinas, no, it's you're doing that thing that's right, but you actually desire it, mm-hmm. right? So the desires end up following suit. So I think what, what John Paul II does is he marries the two, Kant and Aquinas. And he says, yes, Kant's got a lot right about these, these principles of sexual ethics, but 
we need Aquinas. We need this concept of virtue because sexuality is good, right? And in the end, what we're going to do when we're properly integrated in our sexuality is we're going to come to desire to be chaste. We're going to come to desire to do what is right. And that's the goal. And sometimes it's a really long, hard, difficult journey to get there. Um, but I think we have to believe that that is possible, mm-hmm. right? That it's possible to desire God's plan. Yeah. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of is if I haven't grasped, if I haven't, excuse me, if I haven't moved past the I must blank, then I haven't grasped right. the meaning of my existence. Um, right. That fits right in with comes from who? John Paul II. John yeah. Paul II. Fits right in there. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So where are we going to go next? <laughs> Let's <laughs> How see. How does the world be chastity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I, mean, I think, I think we great, kind of touched on that, right? That's a great way to go. I think we should talk yeah. about it a little bit more. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. How does the world view chastity? Um, so Christopher West is really brilliant here. Um, he really is. And I think yeah. he, he opens the uh, the light to the issues that our culture has in, mm-hmm. um, in terms of chastity. I think there's no doubt that it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, you know, he talks a little bit about the history of our American culture, you know, and uh, just how um, in fervent, a lot of times in fervent Protestant cultures, at least in times past, I can't speak for Protestant cultures mm-hmm. nowadays, um, there was, the, and in the Catholic culture too, I shouldn't say just Protestant, really in the Christian culture, um, there was this kind of withholding of sexuality. Oh, sex is bad. We shouldn't talk about sex. It's really just a necessary thing for married people to do, and you know, because they want to have kids. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of this, you know, hide in your in your bedroom right. kind of guilt. Yeah. Um, yeah. He calls that the starvation diet, yeah. uh, depriving oneself of an integrated, healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he talks about, of course, the, the fast food diet. The fast food diet, yeah, which is uh, the um, moving from one extreme to another, like we've talked about before, um, in terms of virtue. Is um, if we're given a choice between starving or having fast food, we're gonna pick fast food every time. Oh um, yeah, give me so, that frosty with the, right. the fries dipped <laughs> in it. And so there's this movement. He talks a lot about Hugh Hefner and just the yeah. the Playboy mm-hmm. and you know, kind of how our culture swung in the in the path yeah. of just sex, sex, sex all the time, all the time in any setting. Um, fast but food what's diet. the alternative? What's the third way? Um, what does he call the third it's way? the banquet. What's that? The, the banquet. Ba- oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's good, yeah. Yeah, so like why would you want the fast food, right? If, if all you're presented with is fast food and starvation diet, you're going to choose the fast food. Yeah. So the problem, he says, is nobody's presented with the banquet. Yeah. Right. And, and this is what he says, you know, for him growing up and for so many of us growing up, I think we're just taught the starvation diet. And so the fast food looks pretty dang good. But the banquet, why would you want fast food when you have a banquet? Yeah. Has, has Brennan written about uh, Babette's feast? No, he hasn't. But he's talked about uh, doing it, I think. At he some needs point. to write on that. And if he yeah. doesn't, I will. Okay. But like, this is another one of Christopher West's big thing is talking about. It's this beautiful, beautiful movie in French, no, in Danish, something like that. It's in another language, but you watch it with the subtitles, and it's just so beautiful. But it, it plays out this exact theme where, you know, there's this family. They're like, they come from a very puritanical, very small puritanical Christian community. And the father's the pastor. It's these two, two uh, sisters. The father passes away, and they're in charge of the community. 
well, they get this like French, you know, long story short, they get this, this maid from, from France who, um, you know, ends up like introducing them to the banquet through this one feast that she like mm-hmm. spends all her money on. Um, it's just a beautiful, I, I'm not going to go into all the details of it cause you just watch it. Um, it, it demonstrates this principle and it, it brings them out of this fast food diet, yeah. sorry, no, out of this starvation diet mm. and introduces them to the banquet. Beautiful. And it's a, it's a beautiful, in some ways scandalous thing. Cause they're so scandalized by it. Like they don't think they're allowed to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. This is a particular area in which I think the culture, um, really can enter in and, uh, lie to us here. And I kind of, what I mean specifically is through various forms of entertainment, like movies yeah. and songs. And, um, I think that can be a very dangerous medium to yeah. having a wrong view of chastity. Um, yeah. I think just a couple examples that I'm thinking about are, um, I actually remember, I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I can't remember or not, but I had a, just a really powerful experience watching the proposal one time. Have you seen the proposal? Uh, it, it's with, uh, is, I don't think I've seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. That's yeah. Right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so I, I don't I, think you've told this story. So oh, okay. This yeah. yeah, this would be good. Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm watching the proposal. I've seen it a few times. And I remember it being like really funny. So um, the story, as the story goes, uh, Sandra Bullock is Canadian and she's Ryan Reynolds' boss. Right. Ryan Reynolds is the secretary. Marriage, right? yeah. 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 So she's being shipped back off to Canada. In order to avoid that, she kind of cons Ryan Reynolds into marrying her or else she's going mm-hmm. to fire him. I think nice that's real ethical right there. that's perfect yeah and so ryan's like all right well i guess i will have worked really hard to get up to this position so like, i guess i'll go ahead and do it yeah. um but there's a scene where, you know they go to visit ryan, the the kind of the premise is they go to visit ryan reynolds family and yeah. uh it's kind of a big ordeal they're trying to hide the fact that they're not actually in love or yeah. whatever but yeah. there's a scene where they're sleeping in the same bedroom mm-hmm. um ryan reynolds is sleeping on the ground mm-hmm. sandra bullock is sleeping in the bed yeah they're kind of kind of getting to know each other. Um, and Sandra Bullock's confessing these things to them. And she says, I haven't slept with anyone in 18 months or something to that effect, like confessing it to him. And Ryan Reynolds goes, 18 months. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, it was a very, it was a very subtle moment for me. Like, but it was like a really eye opening experience for me because I, like it hit me that, wow, that almost entered into my heart that it's a long time to not sleep some with someone for eighteen right. months. Yeah. Um. So like thinking about someone who's vulnerable to hearing that message, kind of how that would have mm-hmm. entered into their heart. Um. That it just really woke me up to the dangers of the yeah. culture and the, the voices that are that are in it. Um, well, yeah, and those kinds of things are so. It's like it's so representative of the culture, right? It's like that is just accepted. Right. Yeah. Um, I was watching, um, I won't say what it was the other day. Um, it was, it was a late, late night host and was just talking, really just normalizing like pornography and masturbation and just talking about it. Like, it was just like, Oh, everybody does it. You know, like it's just, just, just normal. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, a lot of people do, but like, it was just such a reminder of the culture. like just how deep seated the culture is in, in sexual sin. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, there's just countless examples of movies too of of characters you know sleeping out of wedlock and like how it's a supposedly a beautiful experience and those are just lies. It's fast food. 
Um, it is. It's fast food, and it's not reality. Yeah, you know what I think of when we're thinking about the banquet versus fast food, and, and this will go into. I know we're going to address this later, but just like how do we grow in, in chastity? I think, I think a lot of the answer is is the banquet, um, and that looks a number of different ways. Like, um, you know, I think of. I think we talked about before, like Father Brendan Rowling's talk on like the you got to compete with the keg. Mm. Have you heard that? I have heard that. I have yeah. heard the ins and outs of the talk, but I I can't remember of what like, that was. It, but there's like a culture and focus of like throwing really good parties yeah. sometimes, like really wholesome parties. Yeah. You know, there's dancing and music, and there's, um, you know, guys dancing with girls, and there's, um, you know, alcohol being consumed joyfully and in moderation. Just I think it really like a lot. I experience a lot of these type of banquets. Um, yeah. Easter celebrations that go on way into the night. Um, these just beautiful, mm-hmm. exuberant experiences of the fullness of life. And I think those things actually help me with chastity a lot. Amen. Because yeah. it's like, this is the banquet. This is what I live for. Why would I want fast food when I have this graced banquet Amen. from the Lord? You know what I notice out of focus communities too? I, I think specifically in my... 2018 summer projects community is like we had some of the most amazing parties i've ever been to in my life there and uh you know what another important part of our culture was people just hugged each other like yeah like men hugged each other women hugged each other men and women hugged each other like there was like a very healthy physicality that went along in our in our community um which yeah integrated sexuality uh yeah, just a very chaste community in that sense. So. Yeah, that's part of the banquet, right? In chastity, like you just, I love how you just described that. Like a chaste community is one that hugs a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's contrary to, I think, the initial intuition that people are going to have of like, oh, a chaste community, that's one where nobody's touching, right? Yeah. But no, you're, you're <laughs> exactly right. right. Like a chaste community <laughs> is one with an abundance of physical affection. Yeah. It's true. It is. I was actually talking to my friend Emily the other day, and um, we were joking about how, like, in our Catholic community, she's someone that I knew from Ave Maria, okay. and, like, in our in our strong Catholic community, how, like, there's always these, like, really intense hellos and goodbyes. Like, mm-hmm. everyone, like, does these big bear hugs or whatever mm-hmm. when they get together and when they leave, even though they see each other, like, mm-hmm. every day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I just think that's so healthy uh, in, yeah. so, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's very, very yeah. chaste. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, just a, um, a sign of communion. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we touched on the banquet a little bit. Uh, but as a virtue, right, I think chastity, I think there's no secret that this seems to be if not the most difficult, one of the most difficult virtues to live out, right? Is, is that the case? Is that an exaggeration? Yeah, well, Jesus seems to say so uh, in Matthew 19. I, you know, this is a, a little bit of a famous passage, I guess, but he's, he's talking about um, um, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And, you know, the disciples say, if that is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus says, not all can accept this word, but only those whom that, to whom that is granted. So he seems to to think, you know, that renouncing marriage for the sake of the kingdom is, um, is very difficult. And yeah, whoever can accept it should, but yeah. that's hard. So uh, this is he says this in re, re, in re, response to, or he says this regarding celibacy. 
whoever can accept this ought to accept it. That is at least, tell me if I'm wrong, that is at least my interpretation. I, I was Is this think the that. eunuchs for the kingdom part? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, this, this, seem, this is in regard to celibacy, which, yeah, that's... Yeah. Is that is that right? Is that the right one? Uh, maybe not. Okay. But that, I I, I, I'm not sure. But that that okay. is that is the gist of what okay. I was trying to get across. Yeah. But yeah, whoever can accept this ought to accept it. Yeah. Um, and I think the idea behind that is that's hard. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus said so. I think is the point of that. Um, right. Jesus. Jesus knew it'd be hard. And so we all get hard. this. I mean, honestly, like, especially as men who have, you know, if any, if any of the men listening have thought about being a priest let's be honest that is the number one 99 point that is the number one difficulty 99.9 percent of the time so oh i can't get married and yeah. uh you know I, I can't get married yeah uh mm-hmm. and uh and honestly what's behind that is the celibacy can't do that so yeah. yep not even gonna think about the priesthood yeah uh, that's the number one thing. So just experientially, yeah. and, you know, on behalf of men, I'll speak for us all. Yeah. That is, you know, uh, that is the case. It's hard. Right. Yeah. And I think of St. Paul and how he talks about it, which I think is consistent with, with how he's seen the Gospels. But, um, you know, St. Paul says, you know, he's, he's a celibate man. And he says, you know, I wish all were as I am, but admits that not all can. Right. Yeah. It's, it's literally like and that's that's an interesting thing i I remember when i learned when i kind of realized made this realization is that celibacy is like a higher calling um and there are some who like are not given the grace for it right and that can be a perplexing thing sometimes um and a difficult thing like to to realize that chastity is the reality is chastity is such a struggle that like you know, sometimes marriage, and I think this is this is complementary to the way that we talk about, you know, the banquet of, of sexuality and everything, but um, the reality is, like, marriage is sometimes referred to in the tradition called the remedy for concupiscence, right? It's we have this struggle with chastity, and marriage is kind of, in a sense, and, and you know, this isn't all that it is, but one of the things that it is, is it is a remedy for, for that human weakness that we have. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think the other side of the coin with chastity is it is this struggle for most people. Yeah. It is not, you know, very few people I'd say wake up and, you know, they just, you know, like some people are just honest by nature. Right. I think very few people, I think there are people that are chased by nature. Right. But I think very few people, you know, go through life without struggling with chastity. Right. Yeah. Amen. It's a difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too. Most people struggle with it, and most people are married. Um, and it's it's another thing too. It's not as if people in marriage all of a sudden don't have an issue with chastity. That's not the case at all. You right? Know, married people are well, still I think, called to. Um, I think we're going to talk about that too. We definitely are. Marriage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But married people are definitely still called to an integration of their sexuality uh, with one another, even though sex is a part of their relationship yeah. together. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how do, how we grow in chastity? Or you think we hit that? Um, actually, yeah, I, I think the catechism uses this phrase apprenticeship and self mastery, which I think mm-hmm. is, um, uh, I think is beautiful. I'll, I think I'll read one, one little, one little blurb here that I thought was particularly powerful on, on this aspect of, of chastity. Um, either man governs his passions and finds peace or he lets himself be dominated by them and becomes unhappy. Um, that really, by the way, is the exact opposite of what the culture tells us, um. 
Yeah, our passions are what's going to make us happy. Following your passions leads to happiness, which is uh, false. Um, Yeah, this chastity is very much tied to this idea of governing our passions, training Mm -hmm. our wills to to be able to say yes or no and to follow our true desires. Um, Mm -hmm. And because, you know, the sexual desire, um, well, and more generally, our desire for communion with others is at kind of the height of our human experience, um, governing our passions kind of orders us towards that highest desire of communion. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so really governing our passions towards, you know, things like food and... um, you know, getting in the right routine and that and exercise, all of those things uh, tend to have the end of communion with others and ultimately with God. Yeah. So chastity is very much tied to that here. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I think you also, I mean, you also put down modesty under how to grow in chastity. Um, yeah, that was, you, that was more know. along the lines of, I think, helping others grow in chastity too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to talk about later on, but lust is, is definitely, you know, mm-hmm. uh, obviously an, an offense against chastity. And mm-hmm. we talked about a couple episodes ago that modesty is, um, you know, or disposing oneself uh, to not be viewed as an object, right? Uh, which helps others grow right. in chastity. Right. And it all comes back to the integrity of the person again, right? And yeah. just, just modesty aids us in that as well. Yeah. All right. Should we go to the specific states in life? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. So how? So here's what we're going to do. How do you live out chastity according to your state in life? Because we, 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 I say this all the time, is that you know, chastity, what chastity looks like depends on your state in life, right? Well, how does, that, how does that come into play? So starting with single. You're single. You're not dating. Well, single celibate. Do we want to talk about, let's talk about single celibate. So, yeah. yeah, should we group single and religious together? I'm not sure. What do you think? Uh, hmm. Well, okay, let's first talk about single, not consecrated single. Okay. So you just happen to be single. Maybe you hope yeah. to get married one day. Maybe you hope to... You're not dating, though. You're okay. not, like, yeah. in an active dating relationship. Yeah. Um, and But you're also not celibate. Yeah, got it. Let's go there first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I think there's going to be some overlap between here and the religious life. Um, but I would say that chastity is lived out and i'm I'm drawing you know on the the insights of the catechism here but Mm -hmm. chastity is lived out in the single life primarily through authentic friendship um Mm -hmm. yeah just having really really wholesome integrated friendships with men and women uh yeah i think you're right and i think it has to be that because i think i actually struggle with starting with this one as i as i started with this one because the problem with this one is this isn't a vocation, properly speaking, right? It's before your vocation. And so, you know, your vocation is like the way you live out chastity. And so if you haven't clearly landed on that vocation of being married or celibate, um, whatever that form that celibate vocation might take, then I think there's a, in some ways, you know, and I'm sure you and I have both felt this at times, there's a lack of clear direction yeah. And where to channel your sexuality, I think. Amen. Uh, but I think friendship is exactly right. I think that that chaste friendship um, is where we learn to love in that. Yeah. And there is, there's also obviously going to be self restraint, right, yeah. in, in relationships and in um, you know all the ways in which we could fall into to sexual sin as well. 
But I think in the positive note, I like what you said. I think yeah. friendship is the thing to focus on. Another thing I think about too, in terms of uh, living out chastity, is having a way to serve that the the people that um, are in your life and you know in your friendships. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, make I, a I, gift of yourself. That's right. Making a gift of oneself in the form of service. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just being a service-oriented person. That is essential. Like, I don't think you can be chased without making a gift of yourself Agreed. in some way. Agreed. Because if you don't make a gift of yourself, you're going to turn. I think you're going to turn to pornography. You're going to turn to masturbation. You're going to turn to sexual sin, yeah. whether it's hooking up, you know, whatever it is, right? Because um, we desire to make a gift of ourselves, And if we're not doing it, we're going to find pseudo ways to do it. Yeah. And and that that's what sexual sin is. It's just a mockery or a, a falling short of the gift of oneself amen so that's that's great that's beautiful right there and i think we can segue there into kind of uh really consecrated singleness right so whether that's priest uh brother a sister consecrated single lay vocation you're celibate right you made a vow or a promise of celibacy um and i think in a lot of ways this is similar but maybe there's a little bit more direction in terms of how you channel that particular vocation yeah. Well, we'll turn to John Paul II again for this one. Um, I, uh, I think I shared this picture with you guys a, a long time ago, maybe one of our first ministry yes. meetings. Oh, this, um, Nick, okay, what, n- listeners, dear listeners, what <laughs> Nick is about to share rocked my world <laughs> when you did this. Yeah. You have no idea how much yeah. this rocked my world. You, you shared it with some of your I students. I shared it with my students. Yeah. I went and I was just yeah. like, guys, you have to see this. It's, it hangs in my classroom to this day, but yeah. go ahead. I actually got this picture from... Uh, a theology of the body retreat I went on, so it all Makes it sense. all goes yeah. together, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just a meaningful picture that I think captures chastity so well um, uh, for anyone really, but especially for religious. But there's a picture of John Paul II and Mother Teresa, um, kind of you know I guess they were they were friends. I don't know how often they met or or whatnot, but yeah. um, there's a picture of them just kind of literally holding one another, and you know it's it's like a very warm kind of friendly embrace, but. They're holding one another almost like an old married couple mm-hmm. and looking at each other directly in the eye. And their faces are probably, what do you think, probably six inches from one another, maybe a little yeah. bit more than that. Yeah. But I, I mean, like literally they've, they're holding one another mm-hmm. and they're- It's an intimate expression. And they're staring into each other's eyes from yeah. not very far away. I mean, they're yeah. just, it, it's a, just an amazing image of yeah. kind of what chastity looks like in its full expression. Um, it's like- they are John Paul II and Mother Teresa are completely free to love, yeah. um, and I, I don't want to speak totally into their the healthiness yeah. of their sexuality, but com, yeah. you know, completely free to love one another without the uh, the inclination to fall into to sexual sin. Um, that is the vision of um, of chastity for the human being. Um, doesn't that sound good too? To be able to mm-hmm. that's always sounded so good to me to be able to love someone fully without using them as a sexual object yeah um anyway. yeah that's exactly right and uh, uh maybe i can find a link to the picture or something and post it in the notes because it's yeah yeah it's the you know, picture's worth a thousand words that's right so. yeah but yeah i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up I'd forgotten about that it's such a good example of the yeah. banquet as well yeah i'm trying to think there's something else on on particularly you know consecrated celibacy i think that with regard to chastity do you have something? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say I, I think that it is so important, especially for because we need holy priests. Like, I 
I like to talk about how in our diocese of Birmingham, we literally have to have priests from India come over and help us out because we don't have enough religious vocations. I mean, that is a, a judgment on our diocese, frankly. Yeah. Um, and like for people that are considering the priesthood or religious life um, in any sense, like it's a lie to think that um, you have to restrain yourself from loving fully. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know that has been a huge hangup for me you know, and, you know, my discernment of the priesthood, you mm-hmm. know, um, over the years. And, like, it is a lie. Uh, there is a path to loving fully in the priesthood uh, that is satisfying and fulfilling. Yeah, there's a foregoing of the sexual act. There is. Yeah. Um, but there are alternative, way, alternative ways to channel the flood that is your desire to love. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's an interesting distinction for me in— um between singleness, you know, cause like, you know, you can live, there are people who live celibacy kind of de facto for a large number of years for as long as celibates do, but it's not a consecrated celibacy, right? You know, if somebody doesn't get married and they, you know, they practice chastity, they, they might be celibate for 30, 40, 50 years, you know? Um, and, but to me, there seems to be a there's a big overlap, but a difference between that and consecrated celibacy. Um, and I think, I think it lies in, I mean, one, just knowledge of vocation, right? Yeah. So a consecrated celibate has the ability to know that that's a permanent state and commit themselves in a very full way to it. Um, whereas, you know, and there's challenges with that too, right? Cause they also know that, you know, marriage isn't an option mm-hmm. down the road. Right. And that pro- that I know is a cross for many for yeah. me in that state. Um, but then for the non-committed celibate person who lives, you know, in this non-committed celibate state, but might get married, you know, might become a priest one day. It's, you know, there's, there's the potential, like the mystery of like, well, I don't know my vocation. Like God has something excited to plan. Like maybe I'll get married one day. Like, but at the same time, there's not the, the commitment, right? right. I think it'd be harder to live out chastity because it's like, well, if I just knew that this is what I was called to, then maybe I could do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have the grace grace to live that out. And so I think they each have their own crosses. Agreed. But they look different. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, I think it's, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to save that for the end. All right, save it for the end. Why don't you? Let's talk about dating and engaged before we go to marriage. Yeah. And this, okay, let me let me preface this with, there are all sorts of good talks and podcasts out there on this topic. I think of chastity and dating in particular. And I actually, I love the topic. I don't think I'm qualified to give like really detailed advice on this. Um, but there's a lot of really good resources out there in the Catholic world on this. And it's a topic I really enjoy, but I just don't know how deep we're going to go into in this conversation. Fair enough. Dang, I thought I was an expert, and now I basically can't give my opinion. Maybe you, oh, no, no, you no, are I'm an just expert. I said I'm not an expert. You <laughs> okay. might be an expert. <laughs> yes, I'm an expert, and as I'm like paranoid that our audio is because it's like getting choppy, but I think it's going. It's recording. Okay. Um, you wanted me to give my thoughts. Please. Hmm. <laughs> no, I think I think that I think that friendship comes to mind is yeah. a big part of it. Um, I think living out friendship, but I think it's also important to. Um, here's maybe what I'd say is um, 
you know, one thing that I've, I've personally kind of, kind of worked through and wrestled with is like, I think there can be a lot of times for Catholics trying to live out chastity in dating relationship. There can be fear of like, I don't want to cross a line. Yeah. Um, and I think that in the long run, that's actually not chaste. Like that's not, yeah. it doesn't lead to chastity. Can I insert something there for I stick to, I must blank. Yeah then I haven't grasped the meaning of my existence. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Perfectly inserted. Yeah, and so I think that I think that the goal is freedom, right? I think that we want to find a freedom in dating relationships, a freedom to love, right? Because that's what chastity is, right? So one thing I think, I, I guess my two, my two cents here, two things. One is like clear boundaries and being able to discuss those and talk yeah. about those in a dating relationship. Um. And then two is just, yeah, recognizing like there's, it's a unique, there's not a perfect roadmap for it. Yeah. Um, you know, God told us a lot about marriage. There's a lot about marriage in the Bible. There's a lot about singleness. You know, there's, there's a lot of the Bible about dating, you mm -hmm. know, um, and it's looked different in different cultures throughout times. I think in some ways our, you know, current cultural process to dating is probably is just that recognize that there is it is a different it's just a unique yeah place and it's hard to navigate sometimes it is i agree yeah that's probably not helpful for a lot of people but no that, i mean that's <laughs> definitely true i i will say i heard some really 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 good advice i've really chalked it up now so hopefully it'll be good advice but right, yeah. um one time and i i think it's important like i think there's always a question of like how physical can we be in a dating relationship or when we're engaged or whatever yeah. you know that's always on people's minds i think and um one thing that I heard was that, you know, physical affection is the expression of inward spiritual union. So, like, sp mm -hmm. being spir yes, yeah. spiritually That's communed good. is uh, physical mm -hmm. Physical uh, affection is the outward expression of that. Yeah. I've always found that to be very, very applicable. Like, yeah. when, I hold, when I hold my girlfriend's hand, that is an expression of, oh, I get you spiritually on a certain level. Yeah. When I... When I kiss my girlfriend, I don't have a girlfriend, just hypothetically, uh, that is a, I understand you on a yeah. deeper level now than if I was holding your hand. Like, and you can take that to when you're married, the sexual yeah. act is I'm giving my whole yeah. self to you spiritually and, and physically. Yeah. You know? uh, so. yeah. And I think that's, I don't want to take that too far to make that like an infallible rule. But I think it's a good guide. It is. Right? If you think about, if you discern your acts of affection in that way, and maybe it can be apply in friendship too, of like, but I think particularly so in dating relationship, like, is this an expression of like an emotional and spiritual intimacy? Um, or am I starting with the physical affection and hoping that some sort of spiritual intimacy follows? And I think, especially if you think about that from the spiritual perspective, then I mean, if you're doing that properly, <laughs> nobody knows what just happened. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, he, so, so, should we explain? Yeah, we have to now. <laughs> They're going to think we're weird and laughing at physical affection. <laughs> Dang. I made this motion, the Italian pasta emoji, if you, oh, yeah. if you know what that is. It's right? called a bink, but go ahead. Nick calls it a bink. <laughs> and if somebody makes that, that motion and somebody else looks at it, then they, what do they have to do? You have to slap yourself on the neck. You have to slap yourself on the neck. So it's this weird tradition that Nick started <laughs> amongst amongst our friends. And uh, I was doing that unknowingly in my hand gestures. And 
He yeah. slapped himself on the neck. I totally <laughs> stopped your train of thought, too. Go ahead. No, no, it's like, I can recover. Uh, maybe. What was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> it was about chastity. I knew that. It was, yeah. And it was about how... The physical expression physical, of our... Yeah, 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 Spiritual intimacy, right? If you literally, like, if you apply that to its truest extent, then... Well, you're not going to have sex outside of marriage, right? Because the spiritual intimacy that sex represents is not there Amen. if you haven't made those vows. Amen. Right? So I think that's a really good guide. I wouldn't say it's infallible because... Right. You could take it. You yeah. could take it too far. Yeah. You could, yeah. But I think that's a really good guide. Yeah. I like that a lot. I agree. Yeah. Well said, Nicholas. All right, marriage. We're experts in this, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You know, it seems... I guess I'll, I'll start... Uh, you know... It seems as though there is, and I, I, I definitely had this when I was younger, I have to say, and I've, I've grown mm-hmm. in maturity of my understanding of marriage, thank God. But um, like it was this hold that mar- it was like life was this holding on until marriage when we can finally have sex. Mm-hmm. Like that's what was, yeah, that was what marriage was for me, right. like in my mind was, oh, mm-hmm. I've just got to hold on and I've just got to wait until I get married and, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's what it was. And all of a sudden, chastity is not going to be a problem, a problem anymore right. because chastity for me was just not having sex before marriage. Yeah. Um, and now we're good. Now we can do whatever we want in mm-hmm. marriage, um, which is surely not the the route to chastity within marriage. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you want to offer what what you think that would look like, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think this is where John Paul II's theology of the body and love and the responsibility comes really handy, and it's this. This principle, the personalistic norm, he borrows from Kant and baptizes it, metaphorically speaking. Indeed. He can't baptize a saying, literally. You know what I mean. All right. So the the personalistic norm is is a person should not be used as a mere means to an end. And he says this is the the key to sexual morality, right, is not using another person as a means to an end. Now, how to apply that can get – that's his whole project, right? He's figuring out how to apply that in particular issues. But um, I think that principle is the guide in the sense that any sexual relationship, even in marriage, can become use, right? It can become using another as a means to an end. And I think that marriage is is not so much, yeah, like you said, like this, oh, finally, you know, all my dreams come true because anyone who's married knows that that's not the case, um, that there are a lot of crosses in marriage, right? Yeah. Um, but marriage in is this process i i think one of the things that really draws me to to marriage as a vocation is the um the fact that i think especially in trying to live out chastity in marriage it's like an all-encompassing thing Uh right it involves communication it involves dying to yourself every day to make yourself a constant gift of yourself to another right involves so much self-sacrifice involves so much communication um, involves abstaining at times, right? Um, abstaining from sex, right? And, and mastering oneself in order to make one's of a greater gift of oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, I mean, I imagine not to be honest, it takes a lifetime to master. Um, but that's, I guess that's kind of how I see marriage alternatively is, is yeah. not this like, okay, finally now, now everything's good. It's now I've got this thing that's my vocation in this person that I've got to spend a lifetime learning to love. Yeah. And that's, I think what chastity in marriage is, is all about. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I'm actually reminded of our uh, spiritual nakedness podcast way back ah, in the day. Back when the we old were, nakedness convo. Back when we were young lads, yeah. Yeah. Had no idea what life was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I was in my early 20s. That was two years ago now. Yeah. Two years ago. Over you two were years in your now. mid-20s. I was, yeah. Wow. Now I am not. Um, but yeah, uh, it just reminds me of how... Uh, I think we talked about this phrase in that podcast, but I've, I see you and I know you and I'm not going anywhere. Um, That's from the Bible, just, right? I, I think so. No. Uh, yes, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> no, guys, that's from a Penny and Sparrow uh, song. Yes. Look it up. What's but it, it is, called? Yeah, uh, it's called a Duet. Duet. No, I'm not even I was going to break into it. But, um, but yeah, Singing it's just this. You. Yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's just this uh, like fleshing out of of that truth over the course of uh, the marital relationship. You know, of, I see this person who is my wife or who is my husband in their nakedness, literally and spiritually, um, and saying yes to who they are as a person. Um, yeah, that in my mind is ultimate chastity. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a um, completely healthy. Um, living out of communion with another person. Well, now an important caveat, right? Because I think we both just talked very highly about chastity and marriage, right? Um, It's not the highest vocation, objectively speaking. Fair enough. Right? Um, And that's, I think, another thing that John Paul II really tries to explain in Theology of the Body is that ultimately marriage is just a sign of something greater. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it is what most people are called to. So in that sense, like... If you're called to marriage, then that is the best vocation for you. And that is how you will master chastity, right? Um, and master learning to love. But, you know, objectively speaking, it's just a sign, right? And so, it, it, I mean, in a, in a very real sense, celibates actually live this in a deeper and more intimate way. Yeah. Um, and I think you can see that in, when it's lived out with heroic virtue, in, in people like, you know, it seems John Paul II and Mother Teresa. Um, but the intimacy, I mean, I think about like Carmelite spirituality, you know, we've talked a lot about and um, just the intimacy of, of prayer. And this was actually something I was going to say about particularly with the single life and how to live out chastity. I think that really growing in, in, in intimacy with the Lord in prayer is key. Yeah. Um, because there is an intimacy that the word offers us that your spouse will never offer you. Never offer you. They will always fall short of the intimacy that the word can offer you. And I've experienced this in my relationships where, you know, whether it's friends, significant others, even family, like there's just something missing. I want more. Christopher West talks about this all the time, right? Like there is a, a hole in our hearts that if we keep trying to fill it with something or somebody as good as they are and as much of a gift as they might be, if they're not God, we're going to stay hungry, Mm -hmm. right? And so really thirsting for God, thirsting for the Lord and intimacy with him is something I think single people and celibates especially have a particular insight into and a particular experience of that married people actually lack. Yeah. Um, that is lacking in the vocation of marriage. Yeah, I think, too, uh, one thing when I think about the religious life is um, that's so beautiful is behind the sexual desire really is a, is a root desire that will be fulfilled in heaven, 
in paradise. You know, uh, yeah. So the priesthood and the religious life you know, is a foregoing of the, you know, the sexual union, um, because it's a sign for us that we are, are that our sexual desire is. Um, just a mini desire right. of one that will be fulfilled yeah. in heaven. Um, yeah, one way I've heard I've heard it. I think my spiritual director said this to me, but he described it as like the difference between a mediated love and an unmediated love. Mm-hmm. Um, is like in marriage, our intimacy with God is is in some ways mediated. Like we experience that in a mediated way through this sacrament, through this sign. Um, and in the celibate vocation, it's this unmediated, right? And there's crosses there. Um, because in some ways it's a more spiritual and less physical, although I think the Eucharist is a pretty pretty darn physical intimacy, pretty darn good sense of physical intimacy, <laughs> uh, words. But um, yeah, it's an unmediated. It's a more direct to right. the source, even if it you know it doesn't. You don't always experience that in this ecstatic, ecstatic bliss. All right, we're over an hour, or right about an hour, and. Uh, we had some more. Do you, I mean, I'll let you decide. Do you want to go into the the sins against chastity? Or we can no. always split this up, or we could just cut it off there. That's good. I think that was a great place to end. All right. You will have to just imagine for yourself what the sins against chastity are. <laughs> I'm sure you can do it. Or you can read the catechism. Read the catechism. Paragraph, so it's what, in the 2300s? Yeah, 2350s, I think. 2350s, you'll find it. Um, read for yourself. I'm sure you know them, though. All right. What a good conversation. This is great. I enjoyed it. Really great. All right. Well, find us on the internet, colloquiumshow at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook, not Twitter, not TikTok, probably never TikTok. No. (laughs) I barely know. I don't know. I don't like that thing. I've never been on it. Never plan to. (laughs) Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen. Just lost our high school listeners.